Howdy, y'all, and welcome to Liberty Libations number 28. Gosh, we're almost to number 30. This is crazy. We're catching up to Free Georgia podcast pretty quick with all my missed weeks of, <laughs> of putting that out. So, uh, yeah, welcome. We've got uh, Stephen with us today. We've got Zane, and we've got uh, Nick, who's just now sitting down. Um, and we've got Jamie producing well, in the background. You on time. Yeah, that's definitely my fault. All right. Slancha, y'all. <laughs> Cheers. All Cheers. right. I'm drinking coffee because it's only uh, 6 p.m. where I am right now. So, yeah, your internet coffee. sucks. So. Did I freeze <laughs> already? Uh-huh. Yeah. Taking it right when you were taking a sip, it was not a very flattering free. <laughs> That's all right. I can live with that. Well, y'all, thank y'all for joining us. Um, thank y'all for tuning in. If any of this uh, live stream interests you, entertains you, makes you think, makes you question what you know, uh, reach out to us. You can reach out to any of us on Twitter. You can reach out to uh, podcast at lpgeorgia.com. You can go to lpgeorgia.com and learn a whole bunch of stuff about the Libertarian Party of Georgia. If you are interested in coming on the show, you can message me at podcast at lpgeorgia.com and I'll send that on to, to Zach so he can screen you because if you're too normal um, and too based in, in reality, you cannot come on this show. Um, that's just not who we're trying to attract to this show. So um, it's for weirdos only. All right, y'all, let's, uh, let's dive into the topics. I believe the first one up, Jamie, let's put Is, that up uh, the on Rick the Ross screen. Car show. It's the Rick Ross car show. <laughs> so, uh, Stephen, I'm going to let you take this one since it's in your county and uh, some just stupidity is going on in that county right now. I think I got some lag here. I might, I might have to back out and, and yeah, okay. come back in in just a minute, but I'll That's go ahead fine. and give it a try. Yeah. Uh, so the, the pastor of this church is also the president of the Georgia Baptist Commission and or Baptist Convention, sorry. And they've had their little arts and crafts show, I think, for 20-something years now. And the church has been in the county for almost 200 years. And so now, all of a sudden, you know, they put out a sign saying that, you know, that they're going to have their arts and crafts show. And some marshal came up and said, hey, you got to have a permit for this. And this has never been an issue the entire time. So they apply for the permit. And then the zoning department comes back and says, well, we can't give you a permit because you're not zoned for this use. And then he comes back and he says, well, I've been using it like this the entire time we've been here. Um, we're going to have it anyways. And I wasn't there, but, but I, I have a friend that was there. And, um, you know, I heard the sheriff was actually there showing off cars. <laughs> so if you've got the guy who's there to enforce the law showing off his cars at the illegal event, what are you supposed to do about that? <laughs> like, that, re-elect the sheriff. Yeah. Exactly. Good call, Zane. Oh man, that's and just in, in parallel <laughs> yeah. news down there. Um, so if you go to Rick Ross's Twitter, um, someone parachuted into his uh, his car show instead of paying the couple hundred dollars for admittance. Wait, and uh, Rick Ross's was response was, "If you have a video of it, send it to me." Uh, if you come over my wall, I'm going to do you dirty, is what he said. But if you parachute in, just let me know when you're landing. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. Okay. 
Interesting. Let's see. Um, yeah. So I don't know anything. I mean, there's always something happening in Fayette County, it seems. Or Stephen just is the one who does the most amount of research on his own county. So he's always the one that submits these these stories to us. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There, there's something just bizarre about what what do you say he was on? The, the guy who uh, was part of the, the county administrator. You said he was on like the the Baptist, whatever. I'm getting some serious lag. I'm gonna I'm gonna back out and come back in. Okay. I'll be right Sounds back. Good. I think he said he was on the Baptist Convention Committee or something like that, um, which is just bizarre. This whole story is bizarre. Why can't you have a car show on your own parking lot, out of view? It's it says in the article it's basically out of view of the street. Like I just don't understand why. The, and the sheriff is attending your event with his own product. It's absolutely because you need ridiculous. a permit license. You need a permit. You need a permit license. I guess that's correct. All right. Uh, Jamie, what's the next story? Okay. Let's uh, let's get some audio on this sucker. Um, found this incredibly entertaining. Does such a good job of keeping this up. We should be happy to fully recognize the government against Trump. Okay, thank you very much. Very appreciated. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you. Cop is literally smiling as he's telling him to sit down. <laughs> the, look, the cop gives him a thumbs up at the end. It's amazing. I mean, that's incredible. First of all, why is he in Austin? How is that a public library? And that's tax why, money like, being put to use. I mean, it's put being put to great use. And you like, got to have a the, place for the for the drag queen story hours. You have to, and it has to look nice. Um, and gives him a thumbs up, and is just smiling from ear to ear the entire time. <laughs> Makes me so happy. Um, yeah, and I don't know who this guy is. Does anybody know who this guy is? Owen Schroyer. A, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's an Infowars guy. He's an Infowars guy. Okay. I think he got charged. What did he get charged with? Was it in connection with 1-6? With January 6th? Because that was worse than Pearl Harbor and 9-11 combined. He got charged like they, with something there? I think so. Like, they were going after him, like, in... Because I don't even think he went into the Capitol or anything. I can't remember the whole story. But, yeah, I think he was tied up in that a little bit. And, well, yeah. yeah he's, anti, he's a host on Infowars and... Oh, Infowars. I thought you said antiwar.com. No, Infowars. Okay, well, that makes sense why he's in Austin then, because he's there with Alex Jones. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, I love these videos. I love how many are popping up on the internet. And I love how no one tells him to stop for a very long time. Like, he is able to just 
continue to rattle off things that Comey did um, that people either don't know or completely take for granted or or don't care about. And he's just able to rattle them off one after the other um, for what is it over a minute and then gets a gets a thumbs up from the cop. <laughs> it's just it's uh, who's the other guy that keeps doing this all over the country? Oh, Alex Stein. Alex Stein is one of them for sure. Who's who's there's a like a Latino looking kid who keeps doing it as well. Nick Fuentes. Jose Vega. Jose, yeah, Vega. Yeah, yeah. It's not not Nick Fuentes. I've not seen a video <laughs> with Nick Fuentes doing this. <laughs> um, but yeah, Steven, sorry you missed it, buddy. I'm sure you watched it. Were you the one that put before? Was that the one that did what now? Were you the one that put this video in the chat before? No, that wasn't me. I have seen this, though. Yeah, I mean, it's freaking phenomenal. Um, who does who does that podcast? It's the Liberty what? The Liberty Breakfast? Broadcast. Oh, the Liberty Broadcast? Who does that? Do we know? No. Um, let's see. News, current Click events, on that Illuminati weather on... Illuminati weather. This sounds like it's right up our... Uh... Yeah, take us to that website, Zach. I want to see it. But they're on Central Time, so they're probably not important. What what does that say about Mountain Time? (laughs) Uh, Less so, even than that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the least used time. Oh, goodness gracious. Interesting. All right. Well, there's like one major city on on Mountain Time Denver. Yeah, who else? That's a good question. Is there anyone else? Is uh, El Paso uh, considered I th- major? I think Phoenix no. is on Mountain Time. Yeah, Phoenix is on Mountain Time. That that is would it, count. Maybe Phoenix Santa, is actually Santa bigger Day. than Denver. Okay. I thought Phoenix might have been on. Uh, oh yeah, Phoenix weighs uh, presidential elections. This conversation is quickly getting extremely boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have Alden to take us to the really bizarre stuff tonight, which is a huge bummer. Uh, but we have, we have to Steve. Speculate. Who wants to speculate on the uh, the Ukrainian dam? Oh, I didn't even bring that up as a topic tonight, but we can get into that for sure. That's it was it was amazing how he had this series of tweets almost pre prepared. Mm. You know it, how it was you know, Zelensky himself up. breaking the news. I, I just I thought that yeah. was kind of weird. Well, right, and you look at it, and it's kind of a who benefits situation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, every article is like. Hey, this is the water supply that goes to the Russian occupied parts and goes to Crimea. Oh yeah, and Russia blew it up. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? I mean, it was the same thing they were saying with the Nord Stream pipeline. Like that was my Ru- second. That's where I went to second. I, I literally like was walking out the door to go to work the other morning and I the TV was was on and I was like, all I saw was damn in Ukraine blood up. I'm like, oh geez, they did it again, huh? <laughs> I mean, it just yep. makes no sense. Like, I don't understand how people believe that Russia would hurt their own pipeline. Like, I, it just makes no sense. Like, the the just face value of logic, that one didn't make any sense. And you're right. The fact that they already had stuff prepared for this dam breaking, and, I mean, stuff came out immediately. Like, the amount of coverage for the dam breaking that I saw on Twitter within... I don't know, six hours of it actually happening was unreal. Like they, they had tons of cameras there. There were cameras all over the place. I saw like 10 different. They had Jeeps. shots showing the 
they had shots showing like a day or two before that the road across it was damaged already. So mm. I don't know what was, I don't mm. know what that was about. Um, yeah. Another weird story for sure. Um, yeah. But Zach, I, what do we what do we got next, buddy? Well, while we're waiting on him, the the yeah. Fayette County thing, uh, Rick Ross, his party was actually lauded as a huge success by the sheriff as well. Really? Um, the traffic control measures that he had in place, all that kind of stuff. I don't know if he got his permit last minute, uh, but again, you know, Sheriff Babb out there doing the Lord's work, saying, uh, <laughs> "I don't see anything wrong with any of this." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, all, he did end up getting his permit. Yeah, after all the hoopla, yeah. after all the people freaking out about it. He did a great event and it went along smoothly and didn't cause any traffic. And that's just Rick Ross has some ridiculous cars for a really? guy who hasn't put out music in a while. He's got his own car wax. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the same thing or if that. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't have to put out music. If you put out like three hit albums that get continually get played and continually get sampled in movies and TV shows, you're set for life. You don't have to worry about money till the day you die. Um, anyway, this one, this story I found extremely interesting. Um, I don't know who shared this in our chat, but I really like where this one's going or where it could possibly go. Um, Steve, what are your first thoughts on, on this one where the family is suing the DOD rather than Big Pharma? This would be an interesting one to go. We'll see how it plays out. I, I like the way that they're approaching this. Yeah. Um, I, hopefully they have RFK for an attorney. because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what attorney is going to stand up for this one. Um, you know, once you actually file this in court, mm. I mean, now the DOD hates your guts as an attorney. That's pretty rough. Oof. Yeah, that's um, well, it is filed by Children's Health Defense. So, I mean, that's RFK's group. There we go. Okay, so I can totally believe this. Um, this like might be who they need to go after uh, because, I mean, really, honestly, it's probably the Department of Justice would be the one to sue for that because they're the ones actually allowing the legal immunity to persist because right. it was, you know, RFK Jr., I believe it was July 2019, he had a case before the Supreme Court where he sued the HHS because mm -hmm. as part of their vaccine immunity that Reagan granted them in '84 that uh, every two years, I think it was, I forget what the period is, uh, but they're supposed to have a comprehensive safety and efficacy review and report that to Congress. And so he was doing FOIA requests to HHS for these studies. Like, hey, where is this stuff? Because it's not making it into the inserts. It's not in any news. It's not in any peer-reviewed journals. No one's talking about it. And so they, they went long enough without complying to these FOIA requests. He finally took them all the way up to the Supreme Court the secretary of HHS got on the stand in the Supreme court and said, I have not submitted those reports because they don't exist. And then he looks at the judge and says, well, Hey, um, sounds like they shouldn't be legally immune. It's, it's very interesting. And yeah, so for, this, for, for people who are just listening to this podcast, um, which we're now considering it a podcast, cause I'm beginning to put it out there as audio. Um, we, this is stories about a family of a 24 year old who died from the COVID vaccine and they're suing the DOD because operation warp speed was under the guys or under the, uh, um, care of, of the DOD, um, during Trump's roll out the vaccine crap. Um, 
And so rather than going after the big pharma companies, these people are going after the Department of Defense, um, which is a much more interesting route, considering exactly what Stephen said, which is that the Department of Justice gave big pharma immunity from ever being sued for any vaccine injuries or deaths. So it's it's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, uh, this, this is going to be tabbed away for me for a while. Um, yeah. Zane, you're being awfully yeah, quiet. Be. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I only know so much about car shows and it's not very much, but um, <laughs> I'd, I'd be interested to see how they go about trying to prove that it, that the myocarditis actually was um, vaccine induced because obviously you've got the entire medical establishment saying, oh, of course there is no causal connection. That's all fake news. And so I feel like it could be very easy for them to play it off as, oh, it's just completely random that this guy got myocarditis right after he took the vaccine. So I'd be interesting to see, it'll be interesting to see how they go about trying to, to actually prove that. Yeah, there's... Well, and there, there was a whole slew of doctors. I think they were basically led by Dr. Peter McCullough and some others. And uh, I think there's like 20 something thousand signed a resolution yeah, saying that, you know, this stuff leads to myocarditis. Um, I, I who was it? Zelenko. One... Zelenko was the other big one. Uh, yeah. He passed away. Um, of course, he had cancer. It wasn't related to a vaccine, <laughs> but <laughs> he was another one speaking out about it. It's just yeah. they, they all mean, have black. Courts, courts, have, courts have ruled and ruled deaths having been caused by the vaccine. Like that has been uh, actual ruling that's made true. by courts. Hundred percent, and and there are plenty of. I mean, a lot of them are anecdotal, but there are plenty of stories of people getting the vaccine and immediately getting injured or dying, or dying within a few days. And I don't know. There's yeah, I, I do think a lot of these stories are painted as as conspiracy theories and crazy people in in the like in the corporate press. And so you're probably not going to win like the public opinion of it, but in a court of law um, presenting evidence, I'm not sure how much actual evidence that saying this is just hearsay is going to provide, you know, as far as defending the vaccine. So, well, what you got Pfizer, what just in the course of a couple of years made a hundred billion dollars. So, you know, how much of that are they willing to throw hush money at people? But you know, Stevie, hey. how did they make a hundred billion dollars if the vaccine was free? I don't understand. Can, <laughs> can, can you explain that? Like, we got the vaccines for free. I don't understand how they made any money. How did that happen? <laughs> right. They just did it for the good of humanity. Yeah, yeah. That's what all those giant pharmaceutical companies do. Well, it's late stage capitalism. That's what I blame. You know, obviously, it's the greedy corporations. Oh yeah, no, that was that was the secondary option for sure. Um, yeah, I definitely do not like capitalism at all. It, it only brings out the worst in people. It makes people lazy, makes people steal. Like it's it's all stupid. Um, I, yeah, I, 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 think I the, go ahead, Zane. I think the one uh, single statistic that's the easiest to understand that can maybe make people at least consider the possibility that the vaccine is not perfectly safe, and it comes from Dr. McCullough, as you said, was that it's something like. Over the 18 months after um, the vaccine was introduced, there was something like 1,000 heart attacks among high school and college athletes, whereas every similar period before the vaccine, it was like two or three. Interesting. 
So, yeah, I'm I'm just putting that out there as a, a statistic that you may find interesting. Oh yeah, well, and then there's been some uh, some life insurance salesmen things like that that are, that are coming out saying that we're they're having to raise their rates or they're having to account for um, that, you know put a clause in there basically of like you know we're we're not liable for any experimental medications. Oh, and they're labeling this as an experimental medication. Oh, absolutely, it is. That's why it has emergency use authorization. It doesn't that anymore, a, though. That went away. Well, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, did it though? Yeah, it did. Yeah, they they took away. I'm pretty sure they took away the emergency use. I might be wrong on that. Well, and it, and it was the way they took it away too, because it was the um, it was the mRNA one. It was the, it was the one that Moderna did, I believe, that they actually declared it. You know, it passed human trials, mm. and it was kind of quietly shoved under the rug that we were the human trials. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you know, when when uh, when Pfizer was the Pfizer one was just re- was first released, right? Uh, when they quote unquote approved it, what they did was they they approved the Comirnaty, which they said was you know a similar form, you know, a similar or equal formulation, but uh, because the FDA, the way that the laws work, the the name matters in the fact that you had the experimental one still being given out and the community wasn't on, on the market. There was an approved one that nobody could get and you could only get the emergency use authorized one. So that was a whole piece of, uh, pro- of, of propaganda that was put out there hmm. right from the start there. So you had, so they, they said that, you know, they, they said the two were equivalent, but you know, under different branding. So, they could they could have their cake and eat it too by saying, "Hey, this is approved. You get the approved thing." But then, the technically the unapproved experimental one was still the one that was being given out all over the place, with the emergency use authorization, uh, you know, coverages um, already included on it. Right. So, right. Um, that was a that was an interesting little move that happened there. Yeah, that is interesting. I don't know if they ever. I don't know if they ever rescinded the emergency use or if they were just keeping you know keeping that gravy train rolling while it lasted i wonder which one got to jamie fox because mm. uh <laughs> mike tyson's been saying some things mike and, tyson uh, has been saying and his, his jamie fox's daughter has been saying opposite things yeah uh, well which, what do you expect right yeah i mean i don't know i, I the second i heard about the jamie fox one i went yeah that's a it's an interesting story somebody was talking about the other day i think it may have been tim pool i don't know but yeah it was that's that's an interesting one um reports of supposed reports of him playing pickleball and supposed also reports of him being paralyzed so (laughs) yeah how are you going to believe anything and like the fact that he hasn't come out and isn't like back on set kind of makes it seem like he is uh, worse off than people make him out to be. Well, and, and the one sentence tweets, you know, thanks for the prayers, y'all. Keep yeah. them coming. Right. Yeah. You know, that's uh, kind of out of character. Yeah, that's totally yeah, just, his voice. Totally his voice. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how he's always tweeted. <laughs> so, Everything's yeah, not a psyop these days. Everything's normal. Nothing's a psyop. Yeah, exactly. It's all the new normal. So if something bothers you, you just ignore it because it's not real. <laughs> All right. Um, Zach, what do we got next, man? What's the next one? This is why All it's right. tense. 
This is all the United States military bases around the world. That's just Africa. Look at that. There's the Middle East. International law There's your- says <laughs> you can be there. Keep, keep showing this. Look at it. So there's China. There's all look at all the military bases we have. Where's China? Just you think, can you imagine if China had military bases off the coast of it? Be, we'd be going or had co- military bases in Central America or and could you imagine that again? This is the United States. Yeah, and also this is how all empires end, and we're ending exactly the same. We are not funding our own country as we mm-hmm. send money to Ukraine. Go ahead. We sent all our. This is why it's tense. All right, you can. <laughs> this you can is pause. all. Right. Right. Yeah. First off, I just it's their say fault that for putting their the- countries. It's their fault for putting their countries close to the military bases, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure our military bases were there first, so they really should have settled somewhere else. Yeah, um, you should have could have should have kept that country sailing along, like Antarctica yeah. or something. Oh, for sure, Zane. What, what one, are you one of the best pieces of evidence I have that the U.S. is an empire is that the number one owner operator of golf courses in the world is the u.s military what (laughs) because they have so many golf courses on their bases that they just like every air force base has a has a golf course that's like a well-known fact well that makes sense why the saudis want to buy our golf now (laughs) oh yeah i didn't even mean i didn't you know they bought all our missiles under trump so now they want all the golf courses I mean, it's just it's yeah. Except bananas. except that the golf went back to the PGA in that weird little deal. If we're going di- to dive into the PGA, live. we're not we're not going to dive into PGA. <laughs> I'm not, not going to go. No, talk that, about this is this is one of my areas of expertise. Golf, <laughs> golf is yeah. your area. Of I'm kind of surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I golf a lot. Really? All right, Zane, you and I are going to go golf next time I'm in town. You said that to me years ago, and you said we still haven't golfed. So China does it from. They do have military presence. They're real heavy in Australia, Africa, parts of South America. Their their consulates. I mean, that was that was a big news story. Mm -hmm. You know, the consulates in other countries are spying on their citizens there. Yeah, Um, and just our consulates in other countries are spying on those citizens there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) But for for anybody who's just listening, the Jimmy Dore show, he showed a global a globe basically with pins at every point where we have a military base. And it was just pins everywhere, anywhere that wasn't America or Mexico had a pin in it. And uh, which if you put it in, if you put it, if you included the United States, it would just be so many pins. Um, But what I found most interesting was I, I think I read this today is that China and Cuba have come to some sort of some type of agreement. Is Cuba this true? Missile Crisis 2.0. Oh, yeah. So yep. I believe Cuba gets seven billion dollars in exchange for China being able to put a military base right outside of Havana. Um, Good for them. I thought yeah. it'd be, it would be funnier if it was right next to Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or or give them Guantanamo Bay. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, so oh, we I mean, had Guantanamo Bay first, and then Cuba put their country around it. <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah. If, if if you if you believe in in you know just the superiority of America, then we settled everywhere first. So yeah, I agree with you there. 
Zane. There you go. Yeah, so beyond even just, you know, China's military stuff, they've been doing a lot with their, you know, Operation Belt and Road, I think they call it. Essentially going to a bunch of countries in Africa and offering to build a bunch of infrastructure there for really cheap. And yep. a bunch of a bunch of people in the like typically like US conservatives are like, this is why we need to go around building infrastructure in all these countries too, or else China will build their global empire before we do. And what they right. don't realize is that China is bankrupting themselves doing this. Like they're like you could make the claim just like the US empire is on its way down, the Chinese empire, I mean, they're bankrupting themselves even faster than we are. Oh yeah, they're, I mean they're building entire ghost cities. Yeah, These high-rise metropolis cities no one lives in. Yeah. Uh, during the Obama years, rebar was cheaper than cabbage over there. <laughs> but, the the uh, difference is, I think the difference is that sending the military places, you can't make money off the military. The military is a drink, suck on your resources. And the only thing it's there for is to maintain the petrodollar. Whereas all of these economic... Um, treaties or, or agreements that the Chinese are making could conceivably make them money. Um, they're not right now. And yes, they are. It is a giant drain on their resources at the moment, but conceivably it could garner them much better relationships with people around the world so that when they are in trouble, they can be helped out of it by all these countries that they have helped. Well, I mean, not right. not but if the also, majority of what you're building are, you know, bridges to nowhere and electrical grids to people that can't really afford electricity. Yeah, maybe. Well, maybe. so you so so I mean, your options are you do what China's doing, or you do it the way uh, the U.S. does it through the you know IMF and World Bank. Uh, if you've ever read Confessions of an Economic Hitman, and I've never uh, read that. and understand how that. You've never read it. So basically the way that it works, uh, and I'll, I'm going to drop an article here from uh, late last year um, in the chat that we can pull up, and I'd recommend everyone read this or go listen to a bunch of the podcasts that Alex Gladstein did on this going through the IMF and World Bank. But basically the way it works is that uh, you send these consulting agencies uh, out throughout the world to sell countries on these grand infrastructure projects and you're going to fund it through the IMF World Bank. They've got some slightly different roles, but they kind of work together like they basically share a building or they have a bridge between their buildings or something, right? And then uh the idea is to sell them on something that they're never going to be able to pull, they're never going to be able to pay off. And then the deal is once you uh once you can't pay it off, well then the western companies are going to come in and they're going to they're going to take your resources. And uh, a lot of these times, a lot of the stuff they try to do, I know uh, one of Gladstein's biggest, uh, one of his biggest examples here was like in Bangladesh where you had a bunch of poor farmers who were, who were subsistence farmers. So, I mean, they were, they were living, they were making enough to live, but um, they came, you know, uh, some bad infrastructure deals there. Hey, they need money. They need to export. So uh, the government then incentivizes these guys to flood their fields with salt water and grow shrimp for export to the to the markets where they at that point are exporting everything and there's you know the the uh organized crime and whatever else actually kind of like funneling this through there in those countries so you uh so you know those guys see very little now they have to import all of their food versus grow it themselves and they're exporting you know all this and they've just wrecked their land by by salting it oh my God. yeah so 
<laughs> right? So like, if you, if you look at the, the consequences of these things, right? It, it's absolutely insane. And I recommend people dive into this a little more. Yeah, I mean, well, that's they've, like, been, they've been doing that for a long time. Like, I think in the 60s, like the U.S. backed a project to build this huge electrical uh, system in the Congo and, um, you know, gave them a big loan that would, would be very hard for them to pay off. And then once, once they were finally done building it, the parts that they had built before were already so rusted up that they could not be used. So nobody <laughs> got hardly any power from this. But they, uh, but they trap, you know, the the Congo with all this death, that, and now they're, you know. Oh, sorry, I don't know what's going on. Zane, what the hell? <laughs> I think my Spotify just turned itself on. Well, nice. it a, you know, we're, we're, we're getting going, we're getting flagged for copyright issues now. Yeah, but going but further going <laughs> down. Was, you uh, know. Luckily, it was Lincoln Park and not something more embarrassing that I could have. <laughs> but. It's actually interesting with, uh, you know, you listen and see some of these projects going on in the Bitcoin space uh, to develop some of these nations. There's companies now building these microgrids, building small dams, hydro dams, things like that, uh, that they're able to justify the expenditures uh, based off of the fact that when the electricity is not being used, they can run miners. Right. And then when they need electricity... They just switch over to the electricity for the villages and you're able to bring electricity to these places that have never done it and make a profit doing it. It's genius, you know? man. Bitcoin just right? opens up so many doors. Like, it, like it's, we're going to get to that later as well. We're gonna oh, yeah. As well. well, just blockchain tech in general. You, you got, there's a lot of African nations that are mainly agrarian, uh, like Uganda, for instance. I, I, they're running their entire agriculture business, I think, from Solana. I think so. Yeah, Solana. It's you know it's one of the lesser cryptos, but it's it's a stable blockchain that they don't have to have a centralized bank or uh, an agriculture department to track all this stuff. Is you it know, Solana just, or Cardano? Cardano, probably. Thank you. Yeah, right, Cardano. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Cardano. But yeah, I mean, there the, the use of this tech is phenomenal, and hopefully, I don't know. You know, there. are countries in Africa that have been just completely obliterated over the centuries by people going in and mining the crap out of them and wars starting over the mining of these materials. And hopefully, hopefully uh, blockchain can help uh, fix that because it's, right, it can get, do a I lot mean, of good. If you can incentivize, places. you know, and if you're incentivizing these companies to come in and provide the service, mm -hmm. you know, if, if the market can do that. Uh, just by saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna use our excess electricity to mine, and when you guys need the electricity, you know, we're able to provide it for you at a at a reasonable rate. But we can, you know, all the excess that we have, you know, we can make it make financial sense. Where now, you know, you you villages that have never had electricity, now you've got electricity. You know, mm -hmm. now we can get you some internet. Maybe now, you know, you're moving along, and we don't have to come in and." tell you what you're going to grow or how you're going to live it's just going to be hey keep doing whatever you want to do but now here's some additional connectivity that you have with the rest of the world and maybe i mean you know africa's on the on the up and coming i mean lagos is on the uh is on track to become the biggest city in the world really yeah wow yeah look that up it's uh well that's a saudi arabia wall city i don't know how how long in the future but like the the population of Lagos is is on track that it's the growth of it's on track where it's projected to become the biggest city in the world at some point. Interesting. Cool. I mean, I only know Lagos from uh, 
from the movie Sahara with Matthew McConaughey and Steve Zahn. <laughs> I only know Legos from that set that I had when I was a kid. <laughs> ah, yes. I knew that was coming. But, um... Zane with the zinger. Y'all, I think, uh, Zach, I think we're ready for, for uh, our next segment, which is Libations Trivia. Let's rock this niche. Okay, tonight, before we get into our main topic, trivia will be all about that main topic. We're going to do libations trivia about Snowden, the NSA, and whistleblowers in general. For those who haven't watched before, the rules are three rounds. First round is 10 questions, one point each. Second round is five questions, two point each. Uh, two points each. Round three is three questions, three points each. You got to cover your camera to answer the question. First person to cover the camera, I call on. Um, you can't answer again until everybody has answered the question. If you blurt out the answer when it's not your turn, you will lose a point. I don't care if you got the right answer. In fact, if you get the right answer and ruin the question for everybody, you lose three points. That's a new rule. Um, let's see. Let me type in everybody's name here. So, all right. Okay, and the winner gets to pick the topic for next week, or one of the topics for next week. All right, we have a new, whole new setup, y'all. I hope this is, uh, here's the all-time scoreboard. Zane is in the lead with three. Nick has two. Steve has one. The audience has one. Is that points or wins? Wins. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't care about points. The point system changes from week to week. I don't give a crap about points. Um, <laughs> Alden has zero, and he's not here, so he gets another big goose egg. And then uh, the guest has not not yet won, although we've only ever played with two guests, I think. Mike Termott and uh, Shane Hazel. And Shane sucked butt at this game. So. <laughs> what was Shane on this? Uh, he was a good were, sport. You were in a meeting, Nick. Uh, one of those weeks. You yeah, guys didn't even tell me. Nope, nope, never gonna tell you. Okay, round one. Edward Snowden, get your fingers ready to touch that screen. Here we go. What was the name of the surveillance program that Edward Snowden exposed? Zane. Prism. Prism is the correct answer. Let me put Zane. Give Zane one point. All right. Next question. In which city did Edward Snowden first meet with journalists to disclose the leaked documents? Nick. Hong Kong. Nick is correct. Oh, Hong Kong. Bravo. All right. And just so y'all know, these are from ChatGPT, but I actually did my research to make sure these were all correct this week. <laughs> I had <laughs> I don't know how much you guys have messed around with ChatGPT, but when it makes something up and then you tell it, like, ask it if that's true or tell it that's not right, it will actually apologize to you for making something up. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. What is the title of Edward Snowden's memoir published in 2019? Oh, interesting. Zane. This is just a guess, but uh, dissident. Wrong. Nick. Fed. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> Steven, you get 10 seconds. Uh, it's final something. Um, crap. I don't know. 
Mr. Zach Farnell in the audience got it correct. Permanent record. Permanent record. There we go. So audience gets a point. He does not have access to the slides, by the way. It's only me that has <laughs> access to the slides. I Published thought that was the whole thing was that he was going to be running this so that you didn't have to. I don't mind running this part. I don't want to run everything else in the background. Um, so, yeah, he, he put on the music. He did all the other stuff. I enjoy doing this. Um, what was Edward Snowden's job title at the NSA before he became a whistleblower? Steven. Analyst. Um, be a little more specific. Technical analyst. Sorry, you broke up. What was it? Technical analyst. No, I'm looking for something more specific. There are actually two. Zane. Like cybersecurity analyst? Nope. Nick. Well, technically he was working for Booz Allen Hamilton, wasn't he? Not the NSA. He was a contractor for the NSA through Booz Allen Hamilton. Okay. So uh, uh, some sort of outside consultant analyst some external analyst something like that i don't know but all right well i think everybody's gonna get half a point because uh everybody said analyst in some way systems administrator and infrastructure analyst ah. i seriously expected any of us to get that exact title no just one of them i just wanted one of them zane just infrastructure <laughs> analyst would have been great but you failed don't don't like freak out because you failed miserably, Zane. It's okay. Yeah, but I, I think your question was incorrect, also because. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Okay, next question: What is the name of the documentary released in 2014 that chronicles Edward Snowden's journey and the implications of his disclosures? Nick. Fed. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez! I should know this. Y'all should know this. Have y'all not seen this documentary? It's awesome. I have not. Oh, my oh. gosh. Yeah. Nick, no, Nick, you can't answer until Zane and Steven. I'm not sure I've seen it. Wow. Go watch the freaking documentary. Y'all are embarrassing. <laughs> Nick, Nick, I see your hand. You'll get it after <laughs> Zane and Steven failed to get it. Zane and Steven, y'all uh, 10 seconds, then it goes back to Nick. Whistleblower. Mm -mm. Zane. Divide and dominate. How the powerful steal more power. Yeah. Yeah. I wish. I wish. I wish I'd have gotten the call to produce this documentary. Nick, what's up? Citizen Four. Citizen Four. Wow. Good job. Nick takes the lead. Two to one to zero to one. I, I felt like I knew it and I just threw out the bullshit answer because I couldn't think <laughs> of it in time. But yeah, then it came to me right after I answered. Fair enough. All right. Next question. What criminal charges did the United States government file against Edward Snowden following the leak? Mind you, okay, Zane gets to go first. Mind you, I need both charges, not just one. Oh, jeez. Mm. Um, like, I guess I'll go like espionage and treason. Okay, wrong. Steven. I'll go with treason and criminal conspiracy. Wrong. Nick. Uh, it was uh, espionage and... Uh... Uh, and uh, improper possession of stolen records or something like that. Espionage and theft of government property. We're going to give that one to Nick. You're, right. so close. You're so close, Zane. You got the easy one. Everyone got the easy one, though. <laughs> yeah, treason doesn't apply in... Uh, yeah, treason doesn't apply in Espionage Act. All right. What year was the Espionage Act created? Zane. 
1917. Nailed it. Wow. Good job, man. Thank you, Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured I figured the year the U.S. entered World War One was a pretty safe bet. <laughs> yeah, there you pretty, go. Pretty good. Yeah, worst case, anytime under Woodrow Wilson's a great. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Any anytime anything bad was created, just go back to Woodrow Wilson. It's probably then. All right. Next question: What is the approximate number of classified documents Edward Snowden Zane? Over nine thousand. Good job, Vegeta. Nick. Sixty-nine. <laughs> Oh my nice. gosh. <laughs> Steven. 14,000. Y'all are so far off, it's not even funny. Y'all have 10 seconds to re answer. Zane. 2 billion. <laughs> Nick. 420. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Nick's in a goofy mood tonight, y'all. Steven. 150,000. All right, you're you're the closest, but you're all wrong. Over 1.5 million, which is quite a few. Um, all right, next question: What area of the world was Snowden initially attempting to reach after fleeing Zane? Um, Russia. Wrong, Nick. Ecuador. That is correct. That is ah. technically correct. I would have accepted Latin America, South America, Central America, or any country therein. Um, Nick is crushing it, y'all. Let's see. Was that? I think there's one more question this round. Give me one second. Yeah, one more question this round. Here we go. In 2014, what major award did Edward Snowden receive for his whistleblowing activities? Nick. Was it a Pulitzer? Sorry, Nick, I didn't hear you. Was it a Pulitzer? It was not a Pulitzer. I'll give you a hint. It's also known as the Alternative Nobel Prize. Uh, I'd never heard of this award, just so you know. Oh, crap. Okay. Yeah. All right. Five seconds. All right, Nick, do you have another answer? I do not. All right. The Right Livelihood Award. Never heard of it. Me neither. Uh, all right. On to round two. The National Security Agency. Each of these questions is worth two points. Let's do it. What was the code name given to the NSA's program that involved... Zane. Is it just PRISM again? It is not PRISM again. Um, hang on. Let me finish reading the question. Invol okay. What was the name of the code name given to the NSA, NSA's program that involved the collection of internet communications from major technology companies. Steven. Stellar Wind. Wrong. That was definitely one of, uh, it was slightly different than this one. Nick, do you have a guess? I'm thinking, I, I should know this. I feel like I know this, but. It's not fair yeah, that as Nick soon as you tell me what from it is, the I'm NSA. I mean, if you look at Nick's tag, I mean, he's literally from the NSA. He should not be answering these questions. <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny these things existed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Y'all have five seconds. Echelon? No, Robert got it wrong. 
He's allowed one wrong answer per per trivia. Upstream. Now upstream was once it left North America. I thought that was when it went international. Not from what I researched, but I could be wrong. I I've been known to make mistakes. I tried to confirm all these. Um, okay, because that was that was in the in the the PowerPoint slideshow for the Prism program was Prism and Upstream use both, and Upstream was was the co-opting of European data agencies. Okay, okay. If you can show me some proof later on in the episode, I'll I'll uh, I'll give it to you. All right. <laughs> all right. Next question: Which court authorized the NSA's bulk collection, Nick? FISA. Let me make sure before I put the thing. The up FISA there. courts, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act courts. Um, kind of. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. Uh, now that we're um, an audio show, do you think we should do Jeopardy rules where we can't put our hand up until you're done reading the question? Just to be <laughs> nice to the listeners. I, I'm so from now on. I'm gonna just. The note in my brain who uh, responded first, and I'm just going to keep reading the question. How about that? <laughs> That'll work. Sounds good. All right. Beautiful. Question. What is the name of the landmark legislation passed in 2015 that ended the NSA's bulk collection of phone records? And I, I, I was the one who put ended in quotations because let's be honest, <laughs> it, it didn't end Jack. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's one of those idiot names for an act that is the op that it just doesn't do what it actually says it does. The Zane. Freedom and Liberty Act. I'm going to give it to you. The USA Freedom <laughs> Act. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Didn't it like explain how they could legally take all that stuff basically instead of just yes. doing whatever they were doing yes now now that you now can do just... everything you were doing you just have to do it this way yep that's basically what it is all right next question which court ruled in 2013 that the nsa's bulk collection of phone records was likely unconstitutional zane uh supreme court no nick the Fifth Circuit. No. Steven. The Ninth Circuit. <laughs> Wrong. Y'all have five seconds. To be fair, Zane. Twelfth Circuit. <laughs> to be fair, this. Okay. If if. <laughs> okay, we're just, we're just going to find out if if I got this one right. Is it one of the appeals? The United States District Court for the District of Columbia. Wow. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was it was one of the circuit courts. So there you go. Okay. It definitely wasn't Eastern Virginia where they try, you know, where all the whistleblowers and where Assange will be tried. And... Well, hopefully. What is the term used to describe the NSA's practice of collecting data on non-U.S. citizens located outside the United States? Zane. Um, it's like hop, skip, and a jump. Wrong, wrong. Nick. Standard operating procedure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a hint. 
Actually, I can't. Until Steven says his guess, I can't give you a hint. Canvassing. Wrong. I'll give you a hint. You've already said it. Zane. Prism. No. <laughs> Standard. No. Five seconds. Zane. Stellar wind. Oh, my gosh. Spying. <laughs> Spying. <laughs> the answer is Foreign Intelligence Service Act. You do ah. All right. Round number three, whistleblowers. Three points What's the score each. right now? All right. Let me bring up the score. Point of information. Nick, let's not do that. Nick <laughs> has... Point of insultation. <laughs> Nick has six. <laughs> Zane has four. The audience has one. And Steve has a big fat goose egg with Damn. an as asterisk of two. Because if, <laughs> if, he, if he proves that that was correct, his last complaint, then... Uh, then he'll get two points. But technically speaking, if he gets all three of these correct, which I have a feeling he could, um, he takes the lead and wins it. Here we go. Hang on. Let me pull it up. Ah, there we go. Which whistleblower exposed the NSA's warrantless wiretapping program in 2005? Steven. William Binney. Nope. In 2005. Technically, you only need to get two of these correct, Stephen, in order to get these, in order to win. But that's without anybody getting any of the others right. Oh, yeah. 2005. Nick and Zane, you have 10 seconds. I got nothing. Nick, you got anything? Um, if Nick doesn't have anything, no. I have a hint. I'll take a hint. He was a former AT&T technician. That's not a very good hint. Well, sorry. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. Five seconds. This one. 2005 doesn't ring a bell. The answer is Mark Klein. Okay. That's the name rings a bell, but I'm not super familiar with this. I know. This is the third round. These are harder, although some of them might not be. <laughs> All right. Question number two. What is the name of the whistleblower who revealed the controversial NSA program called Thin Thread that involved the collection of metadata on international communications? Steven. That's William Benny. That is William Benny. Boom. Bill Benny. All right. The OG. Steven. By the way, they poisoned his ass. He's in a wheelchair now. Jeez. Yeah, he goes uh, on Scott Horton every once in a while. He, he, he debunked Russiagate like right off the bat. Of course he did. All right, Steven, if you get this next one right, you tie Nick, and y'all do a rock, paper, scissors on screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Here we go. Which whistleblower leaked documents in 1971 that, that came to be known as the Pentagon Papers revealing classified information about the Vietnam War? Did anybody put their hand up already? Nick, I, I, I Nick got in. Nick got in before me. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who it is. It's Daniel Ellsberg. Daniel Ellsberg. Ooh. I was Daniel, 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 Daniel Ellsberg. That's who it was. All right. Y'all, thanks for playing. Appreciate it. Thanks to the audience for uh, suffering through that. I mean, we got more people watching during the trivia time than we did uh, the rest of the show so far. So I guess people, <laughs> people seem to like enjoy trivia. the trivia. Yeah. Um, 
All right. I was so expecting Nick, John Kiriakou to be an answer. The the uh, final scores were Nick with nine, Zane with four, Steve with three, and the audience with one. So, Nick, you're I think you and Zane are tied for the leaderboard for all time wins. So how about there that? Right. I was so confident in this one, too. I even did some research, man. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I thought you would have gotten all the whistleblowers because you seem to know that kind of information. The yeah, well, I was reading about Mark Klein before the show. I just totally blanked in the trivia scene. I couldn't I, even. I feel like I've heard it, but I, I just am not super familiar with that one. Um, and I was looking I know, across the room at Calvin Klein on a cologne bottle. <laughs> Dadgummit. And I know William Benny. I just. I'm not super familiar with what he actually blew the whistle on. So, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Well, y'all, that brings us to our uh, primary story for the night. Let's go to that Spike Cohen tweet. Ten years ago today, the first of the Snowden leaks were reported by Glenn Greenwald. By the time the reports were complete, we would know that the U.S. government was illegally spying on tens of millions of Americans. Ever since, Edward has been a fugitive from the U.S. government for the crime of being a whistleblower. Thank you for your service, Edward. Um, yeah, this uh, actually that. He froze. All right. So, my uh, yeah. All right. All right. So, yeah, Edward Snowden. Um, there we go. I'm back. Shut your mouth, Nick. I'm back. <laughs> all right. That tweet is what. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is what uh, made me want to do a whole thing on on Snowden because I think uh, there's a lot to talk about um, in the for over the past ten years of what's happened with the NSA and just uh, information in general coming out to the public and how whistleblowers have been treated because um, yeah I mean it, it was it was a very unique way that he got the story out there um, and I don't know. Uh, Zach, can you pull up uh, the Glenn Greenwald tweet where he talks about um, his interview with with um, Snowden and uh, the director of Citizen Four um, that he did on? Are you freezing again? I think so. There we go. Yeah. We'll freeze on him. So on, on June 6, 2013, we began our Snowden reporting with my Guardian report that NSA, contrary to Clapper's denials, was spying on Americans on on mass. Tuesday is a 10-year anniversary, and we'll have Snowden Laura Poitras on at System Update to talk about what has meant, what this has meant. So I'm, yeah, because I mean, this is kind of what put Glenn Re Greenwald really on the map there. Absolutely. Yeah, well, and who was the who was the Rolling Stone reporter that you know? Because this was all about the same time, wasn't it? Nope, I'm mixing two things up. Yeah, no, uh, no, like like this was broken. The Greenwald, I, I mean, he was a decent name, but like this is what really blew him up. Uh, this reporting began when Laura and I went to Hong Kong to meet a mysterious source who had the most consequential leak in the history of the U.S. security state. We'll discuss how it happened, what it revealed, and what major privacy challenges remain. So on the Guardian there, um, Laura does a few, a very few interviews, so sometimes her vital role is overlooked. I'm thrilled the three of us are getting together for this 10-year anniversary with U.S. security state abuse now worse than ever. Her Oscar-winning documentary on the work we did. So yeah, Citizen Four, which I've definitely seen. 
I was just, yeah, not a. Uh, I've seen documentaries with him mentioned. I haven't seen that actual documentary, and so that's that's why that's why I was in the chat with you guys earlier today talking about you know William Benny because that Thin Thread program was the precursor to Operation Stellar Wind when that little gremlin Michael Hayden got carte blanche to do whatever because that was you know so Bill Benny and because uh, he was the technical director of the NSA for a while and so he built this program. And it had all the necessary filters to follow legality. And it would filter out, you know, is this a, a justifiable probe? And then not only that, but what are we looking for? Because in the wake of 9-11, you know, in the wake of the Stellar Wind program and the mass surveillance uh, that, by the way, Israel helped us build, you know, with the G7. Uh, so Australia is involved in that as well. Uh, and the UK. Uh, <clears throat> but in the wake of all that, they just painted with a broad brush. And that was one of the things that William Benny was coming out about was he was like, Hey man, you know, we built safeguards into this thing to not only, you know, make sure we're not breaking the law, not and following the constitution and only surveilling people that desire it, you know, that really are being flagged that are actually doing, you know, nasty things that really warrant us stepping in and monitoring them. Not only is that going on, but what you're doing now is flooding your average analyst with so much information there's no way for them to sift through it and figure out what's viable. How do you form a conclusion? It's just this vomit of data. And, and you know, they have way more than they need. Like, you don't need to know what the guy's social media posts are to figure out his financial transactions. You know, it's, it's stuff like that. It's not. Oh, it's but not without his social anymore. media, how do you know if he, if he uh, commits wrong thing or not? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and that's and that's what gave birth to you know this whole notion of uh, parallel construction. I don't know if you've heard that term, but that's they can falsify social media posts and then later on use that as admissible evidence in your case. All right, y'all. As you've seen with some mass shootings that were you know questionable in the last 10, 15 years. Vegas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, stuff like that. So they can they can create this whole psychological profile of things that you never actually posted on your social media. You know, they can they can retroactively go in there and make these things look like they genuinely came from you. But it's not your words. It's not your thoughts. It's just, you know, in the wake of an event where you're the scapegoat, that's what they can do. Oh, yeah. So, and, and William Benny was the guy, you know, blowing the whistle on that. And then Edward Snowden came out and then all of a sudden, you know, takes William Benny out of the spotlight, even though it wasn't really that big of a spotlight at the time. Cause you know, so the, the thing that Ed Snowden did that was so, I don't remember, the I don't remember Benny at all. Like right, now, I right. was young, I was young, but, um, you know, I, he didn't come to my attention until like listening to Scott Horton for a while. Well, cause he was just, he was just coming out with the what. You know, so Ed Snowden actually came out with the how, you know, because what because by the time so Benny leaves and then years later, all the stuff that Benny was resisting and pushing back against and saying this is not only illegal, it's immoral. We shouldn't do this. He's you know, pushing against that. He leaves and then they package all basically all the reasons of his resignation. They made that a training manual for the little, for the people that came after him, and so that's you know that's how stuff like that got to Snowden in such a digestible format of like a PowerPoint slide. I mean, just think like the, you know that Prism program thing. Ed Snowden didn't put that together. Like that's they sat in a break room and watched that. <laughs> yep, hundred percent. It's it's just bizarre. 
if anybody hasn't watched this uh, 10 year anniversary special from Glenn Greenwald um, with, with Snowden, uh, I would highly recommend it. I watched it today. It is, it's great to see them reflecting on it. Cause it's crazy what a decade can do to your, like your mindset and what you like wish you'd have done and what, what you could have done better and could have done more of. And uh, what I found most interesting is um, Snowden mentioned that, uh, that all the, like a ton of the reasons for the government freaking out was that they would put out into the media saying like, it's dangerous to have this information out there. Like it's dangerous to release this stuff. Like bad things will happen to people. Uh, people will get killed because of this information. But according to Snowden and Greenwald, not a single one of those came true. No one in the field died. No one, nothing bad happened to. That's well, always the claim, right? They made that yes. under Manning also. Yes, it's true. Oh, but so... to, to be fair, the point is it, that stuff can happen. Like it can lead to deaths, but if you handle it in the correct way, then it won't. And so the point that they were making in this video was that he took it to professional journalists who are good at their jobs. And he took it to Greenwald because he was critical of the New York times and the Washington post and how they'd handled things in the past. And um, he took it to people who he knew would handle it with care and knew, who do it in the right way. Um, and he is very much against just taking a lot of information, dumping it out on the internet um, because you think, um, because you think it's interesting and you want people to see it. Um, he, he was very, I'm very clear. pro just dump information on the internet and let people see it. Like the discord hacker guy, the discord leaker. Yeah. I'm no, like, I understand. Yeah, dump that shit out there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'm like, dump it. I don't care. I, I, I do. I think there are enough people out there who believe that what they're doing, um, like they're, they're low level operators who are in places that are very dangerous, who are in places where they definitely shouldn't be, but they were sent there and, to be fair, a lot of those people have been brainwashed over, you know, their entire lifetime by the U.S. government and by propaganda from the media. And so, like, don't I don't think it's necessarily fair to just say dump all the information out there um, and don't care at all about what ha might happen to people who might actually be somewhat innocent in, in the whole oh. thing. If, if the well, choice and, is, and I, for... I could get like the preference being to go professionally through someone like Glenn Greenwald but also like if the choices come down to dump it or keep it secret dump it that's not the choice though you you can reach out to anyone on earth these days he could have reached out to Glenn Greenwald and dumped it and gave it to him in the in a much better way than he did and he also probably wouldn't be where he is right now which is Freaking a my internet y'all i'm sorry it's gonna it starlink once it powers down it takes about 15 minutes to stabilize so apologies if i keep bopping in and out for a bit so but, yeah I mean, so where he where he is today you know that's look at uh geraldo rivera you know why and he in gitmo you know if we're talking about putting american troops or analysts in harm's way my god do y'all remember seeing him on tv drawing a map in the freaking sand on national television of like, hey, here's Fallujah, here's this city, and here we are right here, and we're going this direction, and we're going to be here in three days. Yeah. See, Bro. That's, that's the kind of stuff. <laughs> 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 that's the kind of stuff that should be cracked down on hard. Like, that is absurd. You don't do stuff like that. That's crazy. So, yeah, I, I, I completely disagree. Don't just dump, the, dump a whole lot of... of 
information out online. I, I just don't agree with that method. I understand the sentiment behind it and I understand why you would want to, but that you have other options. You, you didn't always have other options. Like it wasn't always easy to reach out to people, but there are tons of people that you could reach out to that could like siphon through the information, look through it, figure out what needs to be put out and put it out in a legit way that doesn't harm people. Um, so yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Zach, somebody's comment up on screen. Yes. <laughs> Buddy. <laughs> Buddy, don't you have your own stream to get to tonight? I thought y'all streamed on Thursday nights. <laughs> no, they don't have a podcast yet. They sometimes hop on Black Flag. Oh but, gosh, there we go. I'm waiting for the streams. Uh, I'm I'm waiting for them to come out with me and my buddy. Me and my buddy. Is, that's going to be the uh, Will and Buddy's podcast. They they but really got to go to Connor Price for that uh, that theme song. Have y'all heard that uh, Me and My Buddy song by Connor Price? It's freaking no. awesome, buddy. Go look that up, man. It's a great song. He's a great rapper. He's, he's or my he's buddy good. and me, whatever they're going to call it. Yeah. Um. Well, thank you, buddy. Uh, I would love to be in your pocket sometime. Just let me know when. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's another article yeah. that I sent you, Zach? So, so while we're still on Snowden. Um, well, we're, we're going to be on Snowden for the rest of the episode, Zane. Oh, okay. I, I will reserve my point for a more appropriate time in that case. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're talking about Snowden for basically till the very end of the episode. I have like two things to go over at the very end. Until we talk about we, golf again, right? When do we ask the important <laughs> question? What's the important question, Nick? Was Snowden an op? Okay, that is that is an interesting question. Um, yeah, somebody mentioned this. Uh, it, it never once crossed my mind. Um, Monica, see, this is where we should have grabbed uh, Brad Binkley because, like, Monica Perez is breaking this down on her show a while back, like, in depth on why she thinks that uh, Snowden's not legitimate. Interesting. I, okay, get, can I, you I, make some points on that? I wish I could remember all the details. but That I was where I got my education on controlled opposition and limited hangout. That was why it was so serendipitous for me to talk to Binkley that one time we had him on. I was like, oh, my God. You know, <laughs> it was like a rock star to me. So uh, I, I, that was one of the things they were talking. They had to the, the distinctify the difference of limited hangout and controlled opposition. So, you know, if Snowden's a psyop, what kind is he? You know, is he like a double agent or something like that? Because, you know, at that point, He's more of controlled opposition because he's going in with the mission of blending in to spread disinformation. Or is he a limited hangout? Was he exposed to something with a select few other people just to see who would break the news? You know, and they weren't given, you know, they were just given the tip of the iceberg and they're like, okay, we're going to tell four people this sensitive information and see who runs off with it. But we're not telling them the whole story. Can you and imagine? so the hallmark of they disclosed this is going to be what fragment of the story got leaked. Dude, can you imagine if that's just, the, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we all have imagined it, but if that is just the tip of the iceberg. Like, well, of course I'm it is. sure it is. I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it makes me very sad that. Uh, well, I mean, the, the internet in general, uh, you know, because I've still got an old Apple IIe here in my basement. Uh, from from the early '80s, that was I mean, internet was a thing back then. It was dreadfully slow, uh, but it was I mean, the whole internet was developed for continuity of government. It was for yep. you know military communications in the case of a mass power outage. Mm -hmm. And these aren't our cables in the ground; they're in public right of way most of the time. 
These are government. This this whole thing right here, right now, is government property essentially. I mean, it's it's being run through their property the entire time. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being honest, I kind of get a little bit annoyed with constant conspiracy theories about things being limited hangouts. Not that limited hangouts can never happen, but I mean, if you're just constantly going around saying that every little thing is a limited hangout, A, it's extremely depressing, but B, I think it describes a lot more intelligence and an ability to construct very sophisticated, um, like, schemes. Uh, and I don't think that, that the people in government usually have this. Like, if you think about the schemes that they've actually pulled off, like the COVID lockdowns, all of their justifications and all of their machinations were actually extremely easy to point out and disprove. Mm. So I think you're saying, oh, they're, they're, they're so capable of doing this very sophisticated limited hangout. And just every time we think we've got a little crumb, actually it's just the tip of the iceberg or it's completely fake. <laughs> well, th those I, aren't the only I, two I, tools in the toolbox. I, I that's a very black-pilled perspective and not really a helpful one. Th mm. Those aren't the only two tools in the toolbox. You know, so the whole COVID lockdown thing, that was mass formation psychosis. Right. Because yeah. that was, you know, we put out a, a unified message on you know, radio, TV, social media. And obviously, you know, all the so-called influencers, you know, your Hollywood types and your social media people, all those, they're going to parrot that stuff anyways, because it, it's going to come off as news and they're cutting edge. And, hey, you know, these are scary times. We're all in this together. Tune into me for some kind of nuance. You know, that that was just that's a whole different thing. You know, the limited hangout is going to be more of like a, it's a whistleblower that's coming out that doesn't have the whole story. And it's for one purpose or another, it can either be to totally disturb us to try to coax us into some kind of action mm -hmm. or they can then clamp down on our reaction to the news, or it can scare us another direction to where you know we'll start behaving a certain way because oh they're they're doing this and that's scary i'm staying away from that right my my point with bringing up the lockdowns is that for anybody who is doing real journalism or cared to look all of the evidence about the lockdowns not being effective or about all the side effects of the vaccines those were easily discoverable if you cared to look so what we're really saying is that all of the serious journalists that there are all the glenn greenwalds and Seymour Hershes of the world, they are all out there looking at the surveillance stuff and they're still not able to, to discover it. If, if you're saying that, you know, mm. um, what, what we got from Edward Snowden was, you know, not like... Well, and then what we found out later, so uh, exactly what year was it that Ed Snowden made his reveal? It was uh, 10 years ago, so 2013. 2013. Okay, so what until, what, 2015, 2016, we discovered what Verizon has something called a super cookie, you know, that you can't freaking delete. So, you know, the, the, the tip of the iceberg angle to the Ed Snowden story would be that they didn't have to intercept the transmission, the, the data transmissions from the lines, like Mark Klein told us they were doing, you know, they were, they were tapping into the fiber lines. They were putting these devices on these big internet hub centers and all the data that was coming in, they could, they could cipher off, you know, one of these little things that fits in the palm of your hand, you could put that on one of the main line, one of the main fiber lines, and it would capture like one and a half billion emails a day, something like that. I mean, they were, they were collecting all the emails. Now, the real tip of the iceberg of that is they didn't have to do that illegally. 
all they had to do was call the guy that runs the company and they give it to him willingly without a warrant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hear what Zane's saying. Like it, it does make it seem, I don't know if you, if you're looking at this as, as a limited hangout or whatever, and like people do this every single time, it does make it seem like there's just no possible way that we're ever going to win. And there's no possible way that we're ever going to make any, um, any advancements in the cause of Liberty. So why even try? Um, because if they're that smart, if they have that much of a master plan and they're that capable of carrying out their plan, then, then it's, then it's hopeless. Um, so in my mind, I, I think like, I, I maybe choose to believe either rightly or wrongly that, that Snowden was not an op that it was, but he, that exactly what happened was what happened and that no one planned for that to happen. So that, that might yeah, be absolutely. I, I can totally see that. You know, I'm just I'm playing both sides of the fence on this one because it's, um, you know, the one thing that they count, they cannot account for because, you know, we, you have these these families that defined what wealth was, that created the word wealth. They created the concept of money. They have been in power this entire time. Same bloodline. It's not much of a family tree. It's more of a leaning bush, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but. You know, they, and that's all they've done is they sat in these dark rooms in their ivory towers for probably thousands of years, definitely hundreds, and thought up how you know what's going on in, in the minds of the peasants. How do we keep control of them? You know, how is the spirit of rebellion spreading through the villages? How do we monitor this? Can we stoke a spirit of rebellion and see how fast it spreads? You know, that kind of thing. And so they're watching that, but they don't. They can't account for the human element, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, freedom has a certain ring to it that, you know, anybody with a soul, it, it just, it has a certain ring to it when you encounter it. That it's like, Hey, wait a second. That, that feels right. Mm. You know, and they can't shut that off. Yeah. Yeah. I do like that. That is nice. That's a good, that's a good, warm, cozy feeling you just gave there, Steve. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Zane, what was the question you were going to ask before, the point you were going to make before? Oh, I was just going to say, when we're, you know, thinking about the legacy of Edward Snowden and, you know, what pe the, the average person thinks about the information that he revealed, I think that he definitely caused people to be way more aware that they are being spied on. But instead of getting really angry about it, like today, just people know that they're being spied on and they're just okay with it. So on one hand, I guess it's better for people to know that they're being spied on than to not know. But it's also strange that it's like if you went if you went up to somebody now and told them all the details of what Snowden revealed in his leaks, they'd just be like, Yeah, obviously the government's doing that. Everybody's spying on everybody, duh. Who cares? Right. right. Yeah, and I mean what's really funny is what if what if you went up to them and you were like, Hey, just so you know. I can see every single text message that you send to people and I'm reading every single one. Just me, just me. I'm reading them. Like you'd get punched right in the face or you get the cops called on you, but they're not going to do that with the government. They're going to be like, okay, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. That's always the argument. I'm not doing anything wrong. So why should I care? Okay. Well, what if you're looking the person in the face who is reading all your messages that changes things? Like people just think of the government as this uh, like any en like enigmatic 
faceless blob but if you put a face on it and you like make it really personal people will care and that that's that's the biggest issue with with like leaks of this size and like over time you're right all they do is say um you know of course the government's doing that they're spying on everybody yada 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 like it's it's i don't know it's it's people get numb just like people get numb to basically everything that happens for an extended period of time and it's yeah that, that there is a black pill perspective in that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the frog in a boiling pot of water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But this is the opposite of that. I didn't know this until today. Exactly 10 years ago, Ed Snowden uses Bitcoin to pay for servers that would host 200,000 ducks, exposing a vast illegal NSA spying campaign. Had no idea. He said 1.5 million. I didn't say he put all of them out there, Nick. Hmm. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I'd call you on it. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. go. Back. Yeah. He, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he curated that. the servers, obviously. Yes. hundred percent. But he censored himself. He censored himself for good for sure good reason. Um, but I I think this is I mean, I did anybody else know this information before I we just put this tweet out there. I knew he was one of the early ones in Bitcoin. I didn't know he was using it exactly for his servers. Okay. I mean, 2013 wasn't that early. I had a roommate about the same time uh, buying shit on Silk Road and playing Satoshi Dice. Nick, that's early as crap, okay? Just because you were absurdly early doesn't mean that this wasn't early I as was crap. sadly, I sadly sat on the sidelines despite knowing I was absurdly early on it. There you go. That's, I, I bragged to my friends like, that I, I had to order a Roku from a Japanese website. I had to download a translator to go to a Japanese website and buy a Roku before they actually released here. That, that's one of my flexes. I still wow, have that upstairs. That's right. It was hard to buy, and I think it was also hard to manage your own keys at that point versus what you have now, but... Um, yeah. There was part of me back in those days who was like, yeah, maybe I could scrape together like a thousand bucks and buy it. And then I never bought anything. And gosh, I, how I nice have a that job. <laughs> That's why there were, I, I distinctly remember being like, yeah, maybe this is one of those things you throw a thousand bucks at. But, you know, broke college student. And I was like, yeah, I don't have that money. And <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> never fair. happened. And uh, yep, sadly, because had I done that at that point, uh, I wouldn't be working and I wouldn't be talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I learned about it in 2017, didn't have any money to throw at it. And uh, yeah, wish I, wish I'd have had just a few hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I bought I remember a few was... hundred bucks after the big run up in 2017, 2018. Yeah. And... 2013, 2014. I was sitting at a bar with some friends. There were five of us total at the table. We're like, Hey, we should all throw in, throw a thousand dollars at this thing just kind of see where it goes you know we all kind of laughed it off and said that was too much money to gamble with you know as we all ate appetizers and drank pitchers of craft beer <laughs> yeah yep. kicking myself for that one because yeah. uh, my share of that take would be like 400 something thousand dollars today oh yeah zach makes a great nice. point um the next time to buy is now that's why so. i buy every week every daggum week y'all go out there go to and buy swan and Set that, set that DCA and buy every week. There's another happening coming up soon, right? Next yep, year. Next, next year. Yeah. Yep. That, so buy before will... the happening. Yeah, buy before the next having because. Uh, For sure. Um, Zach, what do we got? Uh, what's the next? What's the next article we got up there? 
Um, let's see. The 10th anniversary of Snowden's NSA revelations should serve as a reminder that whistleblowers who reveal official illegality and the journalists with whom they collaborate should be the subjects of admiration, not indictments. And that's just has not been the case. It hasn't been the case since Snowden. It wasn't the case before Snowden. Um, there are very few we talk people. Assange or... Uh, we can talk Assange whenever you want because um, he blends in perfectly with the whole Snowden thing. Right. And um, I, I saw some chatter going around today that there's like a last ditch effort in the pie court over in the UK to, to stop the extradition. And I think, really? I, I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was MC servers or discord server or something. Someone was putting out there that uh, I think there, or maybe it was some signal chats I'm in or something that there's uh, some concern by some of these activists in Europe that like, there's not enough. There's not going to be enough groundswell in the u.s to actually do anything and everyone's kind of just going to sit back and let whatever happens happens seems about right. uh, if he is extradited versus you know making a big showing and getting out there for the trot you know at the courthouse and making it huge and uh you know maybe blasting around the fact that jury nullification exists um you know mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff like that um and i mean that's to be a big response if that extradition goes through because I mean, that's an incredibly dangerous, dangerous precedent if that trial is allowed to happen and the U.S. 100%. court system, which he'll go through the Eastern District of Virginia and the whole jury will be, you know, the wives and relatives of CIA officers. <laughs> and uh, Yep. And uh, it's, it's gonna be that's something that the Libertarian Party should go to town on. That should be the, like the number one focus because of how much media that it could that could potentially generate. Um, I think that like what, if he gets extradited to the U.S., I think that should be... We need be thousands in the street at the first court date. Thousands yes. are surrounding that courthouse. I will 100% go. I, I, I will, will be there. Go. I will be there. If that happens, because so, that that needs to, I, I I think that needs to be top priority. Um, I, not yeah. not that it like affects a ton of people, but it affects this is it. the ability yeah. for people who have the option to whistleblow and to expose information. It gives them more courage to expose that information. And every time that one of these people gets their life ruined, it it discourages anybody from wanting to, to do this kind of thing. And so it's a very important thing um, in exposing government corruption, government lies, government secrets, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Whistleblowing should absolutely be protected. You know, like I said, Geraldo Rivera, you know, drawing a map of where you are and where you're going on national TV. That's really bad. You know, Jane Fonda, for God's sakes, you know, she's, she's on the cover of a magazine shooting at American airplanes in Vietnam. What? Oh, yeah. A lot of people don't know that, you know. Oh, but Gracie and Frank is hilarious on Netflix, you know. But yeah, Jane no, Fonda. <laughs> Do what? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I had a few beers that night. Uh, but uh, it's just amazing how she still has a job at all, you know, when that was. Uh, she's on the cover of a magazine shooting at American airplanes over there. I don't, uh, I don't understand what. Why was she over there? Why was she shooting mm -hmm. at them? Why was this covered? And why is this on the cover of Time? Yeah, there you go. Roberts all over Hanoi Jane. You can just search for that. That was yeah. yeah. She she had a she decided either her or her publicist decided it was going to be a good idea for her to take a photo op with the Viet Cong 
And one of the photos was her posing on an anti-aircraft gun. Now, I think if you ask her, she would say that she didn't know what it was. But it was My an anti-aircraft gun. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know what it was. It's no, that gun just points at the sky. For... <laughs> yeah, so, you're yeah, there with um, Victor Charlie. You know what's going on. So, yeah, the, uh, the tweet that Zach had up earlier from uh, Julian Assange's wife was referenced in this earlier that I was talking about. So it's just, it's an important distinction. That's not um, whistleblowing. That's not, you know, what Ed Snowden did was to protect American citizens. Um, you know, it might have put some government officials at risk, but they needed to be because we were at risk. Yeah, so um, some Assange activists out of Washington's letting people that we know in the LP say, and saying uh, the U.S. really needs to get its shit together for the worst case scenario. We aren't nearly prepared enough, and the European and Australian activists are really concerned about it. They are able to pull massive numbers outside of Julian's prison, but the people here are so complacent in response to this uh, Stella, just Stella Assange tweet. So, um, you know, we can hope that they turn down the extradition. Um, but I, I have a feeling that... Uh, you know the Anglo the Anglo American establishment kind of always gets its way, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Not always. If you do resist hard enough, sometimes they have to back down. I think one of the best examples of this is that they wanted vaccine passports so bad, and they did not get it, and they did not, not get on the it. timeline they wanted. But let's uh, let's let's not get to the point of saying they didn't get it yet. Right. Um, I'm just saying, uh, when it comes to the to something the U.S. and the British government either want, uh, you know, the other one usually complies. So, as much as it's going to go back and forth, we all know, you know, we can be optimistic, but we know that they're going that this extradition is going to happen sooner rather than later. And probably, I kind of prefer it just happen sooner so we can take the fight on our out to you know on our streets here and, and make a scene here versus just continue this ah it's over there there's nothing we can really do kind of thing because it's, it's gonna end up over here right I mean there's no yeah. way plus I don't I don't trust the Brits to do anything good for him anyway like I you know they're not the French they're not gonna go protest in the streets every two seconds so like the the uh, the, the Brits aren't gonna be the ones to, to get this thing fixed. Um, it's going to have to be us that make a huge stink about it when it comes over here. No, yeah, I, was, I, don't, was... I don't trust anyone who eats baked beans for breakfast. <laughs> You're darn yeah, not right. With, uh, <laughs> You're not darn with Chucky right. 3 in charge now. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things, uh, you know, Michael Savage talks about that too, because he, he's been banned from Great Britain for, you know, his comments on Muslims and things like that. Uh, he, he's still not allowed in Great Britain, period. Uh, they won't. They won't approve his passport. But he's like, "Oh, I'm missing out on all the fine cuisine and great dental care." <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, now that the crown prince of the World Economic Forum is in charge. Um, yeah. All right, Zach. What do we got next, buddy? Are you still in here, Zach? I don't even see Zach in the. Zach may have uh, dipped out. So okay. Let me... What do we do without our producer? Well, I can oh, just say it, that it? Ed Snowden stuff, you know, the prison program 
Operation Sailor Wind and even the Echelon program. Well, the Echelon program, I think, predates the FISA. One second, he'll be back. There you go. So I, I think FISA came after the Echelon program, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, FISA was 78, and then in 79, we got FEMA. So <laughs> it was one of those things. So it all sets like the pretense of the executive can claim emergency powers anytime, every time. That was when, you know, the, the stepping stones were really set in place was, you know, the late 70s. Uh, so oddly enough. Okay. You know, I'm just noticing this. Who changed my name to NSA NSAR work? <laughs> that's so good. That so I'm good. assuming that was Zach. I'm sure it was. I didn't even know I could noticed. do that. I didn't even know I had the power to do that. That's amazing. I'm just noticing that. I'm like, I didn't do that. I did NSA. I did. <laughs> oh that, man, that, that, that's a question. If we had the opportunity to bring Sarwak on, would we bring him on to this show? <laughs> Well, I yeah. mean, Sarwark's the one who brought uh, Snowden to uh, the convention, right? And then decided that he was going to hold the rights to the video that of the speech that he donated to the convention. There you go. So we could bring him on and we could put the Fed label over him and mute him and we could just yell at him the whole time. <laughs> oh, that's uh, basically, oh, that'll be, that'll be like whenever uh, Josh Smith had uh, John Hudak <laughs> on Break the Cycle. Yeah, there we go. Maybe we could get John Taffer on. Maybe John Taffer could yell at him for us. Did you see that one when uh, Josh Smith had Pudak uh, on on his show? He started it off and then like just played music, just like muted him out, and then brought in the whole Tower Gang and then just kicked them <laughs> off the stream. He <laughs> <laughs> oh, advertised. Yeah. He's like, oh, "Yeah, what did that happen?" He's like, "Yeah, me and Hudak burying the hatchet. He's coming on break the cycle, and then he comes on and, and wow, all oh, right that's, off the bat, he a- just." It's a bold move. I'm not, I'm not sure I approve. I'm not sure how professional that is. And just being seen as a jerk isn't kind of my go-to, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, here's a tweet from Aaron Matei. The Guardian's Mark Rice Oxley claims that since Snowden, The Guardian became the go-to publication for whistleblowers, synonymous with trustworthy, dogged, and sensitive investigative reporting. Yeah, not at all true. Um, it was just Greenwald. It was nobody else there that was doing anything of this of the sort. Because, as he states in the tweet, the Guardian aggressively smeared Julian Assange and ignored the OPCW whistleblowers. When I reported on the Greenwald had to leave the Guardian and then start the Intercept, and then he got run out of there also for not bending the knee to. Yep. The insanity. Yes, he did. That's when uh, I think uh, the Epoch Times, Epic Times, whatever. uh, I think they got some Snowden interviews. Um, because that was epoch, you know, that sounds better, yeah. There Epoch's, you go. Epoch sounds more epic, you know. Yeah, it's spelled like <laughs> epoch, but they call it the epic times. I know, I don't under English is a stupid language, <laughs> especially when it's spoken by British people in Asia. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they've landed some interviews with Snowden that uh, you know they were pretty, uh, they seem to be carrying the torch. Uh, they they really. You know, don't care who they piss off because, from what I understand, their Hong Kong headquarters habitually gets set on fire by China. Um, They have to rebuild it like every two, three months, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) Can you imagine just building something knowing that you're going to have to rebuild it in three months? (laughs) Yeah, 
Well, that, well, that's why they have like different levels to it. I, th- I think they have like an underground level, and then they put a fire break in it. You know, they set that on fire, then we set, then we you know do the underground. They burn the underground, then we build on top. There are things that you can build with that can't be set on fire. Like just build with those things. What do you? Yeah, think? but you know they're still dealing with printing presses too. They actually do print. They, they do print media still. Okay. Well, uh, you, yeah. You know, pa- paper lights on fire. I'm just. You know, I understand that. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. What do y'all think of like the state of whistleblowing in in to in the United States today? Like, there's I, I, I from what I can tell, in the past ten years, not much has changed in how we treat whistleblowers and and how how uh, people actually delve into the information that is presented to them. Um, it seems like everybody freaked out over Snowden. And then since then, it's kind of been desensitized, like over and over and over. Like the more whistleblowers there are, the more leaks there are, the less people care, it seems. Um, whereas like the NSA one, the Snowden one was a huge one that everyone talked about for months. And then once there were other leaks afterwards, they seem to get far less coverage. People seem to care way less. So I guess my question is, do you think it did more harm than good in public perception of exposing government illegalities? Yes and no. I, you know, on a local level, I think it's inspired people to speak up more frequently, more often. Yeah. Uh, but once you're on a, a more of a grand scale, say a state level, a regional level, or even a national level, I think more people are discouraged because you know, in the wake of this, what well, we, you know, we saw the Obama cash for clunkers program, um, who was, Oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on the, the representative. Uh, but I mean, he was, he was just a stud with just grilling these folks, with these hard questions about like, you knew you were supposed to destroy the engine blocks, but you still sold the cars anyways. And how much money did you make? Uh, you know, all in all these junkyards that were making all this money on cash for clunkers and nothing happened. Uh, you, you see, this is basically turned the U.S. House. Anytime they have a trial on anything, it's just a dog and pony show. Like there's no, there's no repercussions. And and you know, kudos to Roger Clemens for not having respect for him. You know, because he was he was like, I'm a baseball player. Why the hell am I over here? What what are you guys doing? So I, I think you know we've seen that happen too. But I think on the local level, in certain areas of the country, people are quicker to speak up more often about grift you know, within their cities, counties, or even state. Uh, but once you get a higher up on, you know, like a regional or national level, uh, people are going to hesitate more because they're like, wait a second, you know, Snowden dropped this and he still got grilled. What's going to happen to me? What am I actually going to do to move the pile here? The needle's not going to move. You know, there's going to be some temporary outrage. They're going to shift it. And, uh, you know, then they can put a new design on a beer can and no one gives a damn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, what do you think, Zane? You better say something. I mean, I guess being discouraged is at least farther along in the right direction than thinking that the government has your best interest at heart. Like, even <laughs> if people have stopped caring about the details of the individual leaks, I think that, and I don't have any exact polling data to back this up, but I think far fewer people today would say that they trust the government in general than they would 20, 40, 60 years ago. And that's because of things like the snow and bleaks and that's at least a move in the right direction even if people aren't really acting on well, it i'd say there's a bigger portion that trust it less and then another portion 
that trusted Super even more. Yep. I don't know. It seems like there's that bifurcation, or at least like based on who's in charge, right? One side is, ah, no, perfectly good. You know, they only they only do what matters and cares. They only care about us. And then, yeah. uh, you know, the other yeah. side is worst thing ever. And that's the uh, swing back and forth. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is you don't hear a ton of outcry from either Republicans or Democrats about any of these people. Like, uh, I don't know how many, how much coverage does Julian Assange get or Edward Snowden get in the Republican Party or the Democratic Party? Like, on, on their, well, think about reason. it. Like Trump, Trump was initially, uh, if I remember right, right, he was initially on board with Snowden, uh, Assange. Because he was like, oh, yes, Assange leaked this or did that or whatever. And thank you, Assange. And then, you know, all this stuff, you know, all the extradition still continued under Trump there. And well, started under Trump is when they dragged him out of the embassy. Yep. And uh, that's when well, Steve Bannon was still his strategist, right? That he got steered yeah. off of that. Seems Steve so. Bannon was a Navy guy, wasn't he? Ah, uh, mm -hmm. was he? I don't know the history of Steve Bannon all that well, but. Um, that's a, but yeah, you know, Trump had a perfect opportunity to, uh, to take care of that based off of what he said and what he folded to the deep state again on that, right? Um, yeah, I mean, he folded uh, on everything. He had a chance to just put an end to the whole Assange thing there and then, and then, uh, but yeah. he let that happen and he let it escalate and uh, was anti. The end. Yep. No, I. <laughs> It's like nobody, you know. I guess these guys are political pawns as far as you can use them, but um, when there's no, you know, it's all politics, and you know, these guys out there putting the information out there, um, mm -hmm. you know, they, yeah. I mean, I will say it is it is hard to not be black pilled sometimes, especially when it comes to this particular subject matter, because nobody who's who's actually whistleblown has ever like actually gotten off scot-free in my lifetime like yeah, yeah. Right. you could say ellsberg did i mean that's not my lifetime there, but i know i'm just saying like if we can talk about who got off ellsberg got off but yeah um yeah, yeah but that, i mean that's the only one i mean I the only the only i mean think about it the only person prosecuted for the torture program was John Kiriakou who leaked the fact that the torture program was going on. Yep. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the only person prosecuted yeah. for that. But, well, and, you know, and then, but then you had, you know, not quite an Then Ron DeSantis, who was quite possibly involved on the torture, running for president. <laughs> right? There you go. And then you got the, uh, what is it, the, um, the Project Veritas, you know, the Planned Parenthood stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, the videos of the, you know, the people doing the, the play fights with the with the aborted babies. And, uh, you know, you got the executives talking about how they're buying a Ferrari because they're selling baby kidneys to China and all this crap. The people that film the videos are going to jail. Yep. Yep. So it's, you know, you see enough of that. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of hard to feel like you can make a difference. And that's what I'm saying. It's like on a, on a, a grand scale. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, you know, on a local level, you know, you're seeing like. Hey, my town's a lot like that town. I know those guys. Yeah, you know, I, I went to school with with their kids. I know who they are. 
I bump into him at the checkout line at the grocery store. You know, that that's that's one of, at least for me. I mean, that's one of the things that kind of kind of fired me up. Is like, wait a second. You know, there's people that tell me what to do with my property, my money, my life, how I'm supposed to act in public, all this kind of stuff. And if they're anything like this, that I'm seeing that these people are telling me about, you know, the, hey, these are the people that are running the show. If the people that I know that are running some kind of show are, are doing that kind of thing, like I know how to reach out and touch them. So it motivated me at least on, on a small level, you know, now on a grand scale. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. I mean, you've got, you've got this machine that's, you know, two, 300 years old, uh, you know, the media machine, you know, Operation Mockingbird was what, late 60s? You know, so these, these people have been integrated in infiltrating our media for 50, 60 years now. They killed a president, for God's sakes. Blew his head off during a parade. Where were the riots? Yeah. So, uh, you know, like you, you, you see that, you know, we're coming up on 60 years of that, I think. And, uh, you know, and, and then guys like Ed Snowden, you know, like they didn't stop. Mm-hmm. It's just it's time to drag this stuff into the light. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Completely agree. That's that's that can be really hard to do too. And yeah, I mean, uh, Robert's definitely right. Zoning boards, education boards, election boards, be there and get involved. Um, Cause as the Libertarian party, like very much believes the things start on a local level and that that's kind of how it has to go. Cause we don't have enough power to run uh, for city council run to, for yeah we don't have enough power to make change at a, at a national level at the moment you know we don't have the type of media that can coordinate mass campaigns across international borders every you know around the globe um so you, you get things have to start at the local level um in order to to make change and that change will be slow the change will happen a long time from now but it could happen much sooner at your local level like it's not going to spread overnight to all the surrounding counties surrounding cities all that kind of stuff but it you you could be living in a much freer place in a, in a place that you know respects people for pointing out conspiracy or pointing out uh things corruption that the government does so absolutely absolutely and there's a there's an asium uh, you know when you get into the it crowd you know if you ever get into like computer programming for instance you know it's kind of a joke but it was think globally act locally and that it's that kind of thing, you know. If you can foster, just make the na- make your neighborhood the world you want to live in. Yep. And it just that's how it starts, you know. It's just one step at a time. That's all you can affect. That's what I'm doing in Montana, rather than Dunwoody, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, remember, uh, it it's the uh, it's the dedicated minorities that get their way, right? The uh, complacent majorities generally don't. Uh, that's why you have subsidized sugar industries i mean who benefits from that <laughs> the uh the sugar subsidies keeping you know sugar you know enticing sugar production in the u.s which then leads to you know the red algae tide the red tides of algae coming off of lake okeechobee there to you know complete environmental disasters but hey a couple people get their money and everyone else is complacent about it so yeah well, I mean, the red algae too is, is the hypoxic zones that are created from our fertilizer runoffs Mm. Right. I'm, I'm saying in that specific instance there, right? I mean, it's these, it's a couple companies running sugar production in South Florida there, making their money, uh, causing an environmental disaster there that everyone's like, hey, there's an environmental disaster here. I wonder why. And it's kind of like, because you're subsidizing sugar production there. Um, 
But hey, you know, everyone else is complacent about that and a couple people get rich, you know, small small minorities uh kind of yeah. get their way. And that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, red algae. Have you ever had sweet tarts? They're freaking fantastic, man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so. it's the same reason we're subsidizing tobacco growers at the same time we're running huge public service campaigns telling people to not smoke. <laughs> right. Exactly. Small, small minorities get, you know, small dedicated minorities. You know, if, if you do it right, you get your way more than the complacent majority. That's just. I like that. I like that uh, phrase, phraseology you got there. That's good. Um, yeah. Zach, do you have something else for us? I see something down there. What do we got here? There we go. I'll put that in the chat. We were talking about how the military was a drain on local resources. We were talking about how, you know, uh, the the U.S. military owns more golf courses than anyone else, all this kind of stuff. And that was was something that came to my mind when you said that. I was like, hey, how about that time the U.S. Marines drank all the beer in an Iceland, in an Icelandic city? All right. What city was it in Iceland, though? It had to be Reykjavik. That's the only big city there. There's Reykjavik. It's a and- city, though. It could be a smaller city uh, in the capital region. I mean, what city? There aren't any. It's Reykjavik. Right? Oh, it was, it was Reykjavik. It has okay. to be. There's only one other city. It's on the other side, which would not be would make any sense for a military. Well, there's there. several cities in the in the capital areas. You know, the suburbs of Reykjavik. Not really. I'm going there in <laughs> August. I've. I've been there. I've I've driven it. That's you those know. aren't cities, man. Those are tiny little villages, basically. I'm not. No, Sounds like a great place for a military base. <laughs> right. That is. Yeah. There you go. Long. So the, yeah, the city has a population of 120,000, and then you got uh, 7,000 military members come in there and drink all the beer. And <laughs> I've since I've because t- I've, I've brought this up so many times. I, I've talked to a few Marines that were there for that training op, and it wasn't just the beer; it was all the alcohol. Like they were, <laughs> they were paying people. Like they're like, "Oh, well, I have a cousin that lives up, and like, oh, go get it now." <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious! I mean, I believe it. I think Reykjavik has probably grown since then quite a bit, and it, like, I don't know if that would happen nowadays because when I've been to Reykjavik, people get hammered that place is a drinking town at this point so that may have been the igniter for it <laughs> was them running out of alcohol and now they have a surplus of it so they got to drink it up you know well you yeah. gotta be hammered to drink that fermented shark to eat that fermented shark stuff oh god shark stuff or the whale stuff both the both. shark stuff that they like bury in the ground and pee on oh. and whatever else well that stuff is hard have you ever smelled it no i avoided that dude it is I mean, you could puke just from smelling it. I can't believe people put that in their mouth. It is. I have friends that eat pickled herring they, around Christmas. I can't believe they figured out how to do that. Like, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna kill this shark that we found really <laughs> deep in the ocean, and, it, and we we found out that its skin is toxic. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna bury it and pee on it, and then we're gonna <laughs> dig it up and hang it until it's dry, and then cut it up and eat it. I don't know. <laughs> Oh man, that sounds. I want, to know who, I want to know how drunk you had to have been to come up with that process. Fair. All right, y'all. Um, I've got three more tabs uh, to share for my thing. First one, the last two are fun. Uh, the first one is just interesting to me. There you go. Um, I, I was going to bring some up too, so I, I've got a palate cleanser in the middle. If you just sweet, let's let me do know it. Um, this is interesting. All of 
southeast. Ah, uh, dadgummit. It's playing on my dadgum. Uh, there we go. Did y'all, get, did y'all get audio? I heard Yeah. yeah. It sounded like Alex Jones. Look at that. Insane. Those are the fires starting in Canada. The whole thing. Almost simultaneously. All at once. That's climate change doing that. Today. <laughs> this is on top of Nova Scotia, New Jersey, and Nova the Scotia. entire western side of Canada burning. I mean, what Nova the Scotia. heck is that? It's all in a boot. Global warming. Like, yeah, for those listening, like it, all these fires, there were about, I don't know, 15 to 17 different fires that all started on the same day in completely different parts of Canada. Climate um, change causes spontaneous ignitions. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, that, you know, it sounds like what happened in California a few years ago when uh, you know, believe that there was one ne'er-do-well that threw a cigarette butt on the side of a walking trail that caught a third of the state on fire. You know, that... I'm not buying it. Yeah, no, absolutely not. What do you got to share, Stephen? So I was just going to say, you know, this week was uh, the D-Day anniversary. You know, uh, D-Day is often heralded as uh, mm-hmm. uh, the hallmark of the greatest generation. And uh, we've lost a lot since the so-called greatest generation. So I was going to ask you guys, what do you think is some random act or random duty, random uh you know, task of masculinity, femininity, or uh, just citizenry uh, that you think that uh, is lost, has been lost since then, uh, that definitely should come back. What you know? What, what do you think? You know, men aren't men anymore. You know, we got the we got the man buns, we got the soy lattes, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, just something that comes to mind, just some random thing of, you know, what, what are men doing now that they didn't do that they should? Uh, same thing with women. Just, you know, anything come to mind on that? I think, uh, I think the, the idea of avoiding pain and struggle at all costs is, is a terrible way to live life. And I think that, I think um, a lot of how we live now is convenience and avoiding any type of struggle. Um, especially physical struggle. I think going through physical pain and going through, you know, whether it's working out or whether it's actually, you know, getting out there and, and like hiking the woods or building stuff or just like something that makes you sweat and work for something that you have, um, I think is definitely getting lost. Um, yeah. That's a growing trend too. It's like the, uh, I'm just going to take the path of least resistance. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do my yoga. I'm going to sip my latte and I'm just going to, you know, empty my mind. I'm going to empty myself. Here's the, uh, here's the four step solution, right? Lift weights, eat steaks, stack sats, print cats. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll keep, I'll keep it simple too. I see, I see a lot of guys walking on the inside of the sidewalk. You know, letting their letting their ladies be on the outside. You know, where the yeah. cars are running, all the guys on the bicycles, all that kind of thing. It's like, dude, protect your lady. Yeah, you know, just yeah. just basic instinct level stuff. Just like you know, also, put yourself between your lady and the danger. Something like that. Like that's just so lost these days. Hundred percent. I think uh, I was talking about this with a neighbor out here yesterday. We were, took a drive 
together. And one thing that I think has shifted is people start trying to think the purpose of living is to be happy. Um, and I think that the more you try to be happy, uh, the less happy you're going to be. Um, I think people have forgotten that purpose is what drives you and what makes you happy and what makes you feel fulfilled. Um, and so like, I think, uh, there was like that generation knew that in, in a, like a way that this generation does not where they knew their purpose. They knew what they had to do. Even if what they had to do was sold to them via a lie, they knew like they had that purpose and they knew that purpose was the reason they were there. And if the reason you're, you think you're here on earth is to be happy and is to find happiness, you will never be happy. There you go. That's my thought. Yeah. Because a lot of the times you're resisting whatever makes you unhappy, you know, and that's, I, I'm going to quote Napoleon Hill here, uh, you know, the thinking and grow rich guy, but it's, you know, whatever you resist persists. So if your mind is focused the whole time on like, I'm going to avoid this because it makes me unhappy. Well, that thing is still in your goal. That, that thing is still in your mindset. Like, oh, I want to be debt free one day. The word debt is in your goal. Like you're telling yourself every time you look in the mirror, the word debt instead of money, prosperity, you know? So it's just, it's, it's the, they understood the mindset. They understood the focus mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely been lost. Yeah. Zane, you got anything? I mean, I, uh, all of you being my elders here, I'm not sure how much perspective I have. I guess I will. Uh, That's Zane's polite way of saying we're yeah. old farts. You're old. But, hey, so, back in Normandy, I was there. It's a, like, it's pretty common for, you know, each generation to complain about generations behind them. Like, there are quotes from, like, the 1600s talking about kids these days. How none of them want to work hard. But at, on the same token... Like, we're seeing these skyrocketing rates of, like, anxiety and depression among younger people. And I don't think that that's entirely disconnected from some behavior that's more common now than it was 40 or 60 or 80 years ago, however long you want to go back. Well, and I, I think, think there's nihilism. Yeah, I mean, I think, Jake, you're totally right about, you know, the difference between happiness and, and purpose. And I think that you know, the, 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 the decline in church attendance, I would say, I mean, you can either believe it or not, but if you believe that, you know, there's, if you believe in God who has a purpose for your life and your aim is to live in concert with that, that gives you a very clear direction in your life. That's very different from, you know, how do I, you know, maximize my utility today? That's great. A dedication, devotion to a higher purpose something that's greater than you in your physical form, you know, and, and that's the ties into what Jake was saying too, about the, you know, pain before pleasure, you know, the Buddhist got this right. The Taoist got this right. And it's not an inherently religious thing, mm -hmm. but it's just pain does come before pleasure because mm -hmm. otherwise what is pleasure? Yep. You know, you don't have an accurate gauge of, of, you know, what it is to be happy unless you've suffered a little bit to deserve it. Yep. Steven, good good thing to bring up, man. I appreciate it. Zach, yeah. it looks like you have one more thing. Put that up. Um, then I've got two and we'll end it. Oh, shoot. 
Trump indicted by federal grand jury for mishandling classified material at Mar-a-Lago estate. They really want to reelect him president, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they? They could ignore this guy. They could have turned their backs on him, and he would have gone away. Oh, hang on. Yep. Spike, Spike has thoughts. Thoughts on the Trump indictment. This will likely help his chance of getting reelected. If that happens, and he immediately orders an end to his prosecution, as well as the prosecution of Biden for his mishandled classified docs, <laughs> will progressive continue to hold up democracy as an article of faith? Trump, also, Trump knew the FBI spied on him in 2016, and yet while he was in office, he signed off on giving them record levels of funding and authority. He refused to pardon Assange, who also faces prosecution under the Espionage Act. He promised to drain the swamp and instead tried to be the king of the swamp creatures. If he's reelected, will he try to actually drain it or try to co-opt it again in vain? Man. So my first thought on the, uh, on the first statement by Spike there, would they potentially think that democracy might be the god that failed? They would not ever <laughs> think that. They'll not. They'll never think that. Nick, come on, man. <laughs> a grand jury will indict a sandwich. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, interesting uh, breaking news. I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, the more they put Trump in the in the news, the more likely he's going to get reelected. It's just absurd. It's the Jordan Belfort thing of uh, there is no such thing as bad press. Yeah, how do they you not could understand ignore him and he'd be over on Truth Social, truthing his truths, and nobody would be paying attention. Yes, which oddly enough, do you know the Russian word for truth? What lie? Pravda. Uh, yeah. That was that was Stalin's newspaper, y'all. What? Pravda. Pravda. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's the. That's yeah, that no, truth, no. you know. So Stalin yeah, no. pioneered putting out truth social. <laughs> and now Trump is reinventing it in 2023. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. funny how that happens. Yeah. All right, Nick, I, I did this video just for you. Literally, if anyone else gets it, fine. But Nick, I brought this up just, just, just for you. I don't know if you've seen it, but here oh, we go. Guys, 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 guys. It's a beaver. It's a beaver at fucking Bucky's. <laughs> I'm so happy this moment. Also, yes, baby geese. <laughs> but it's a fucking beaver at Bucky's. Did you see the Did you see the comment that said that the beaver was the Bucky's regional manager? <laughs> That's great. Uh, so that one was just for Nick. Um, I decided that we're going to end these things on just uh, some good laughs, um, just so we don't end uh, being depressed about all the things we talk about. Um, and so this one, I just I don't know if anybody's seen this. It has 2.4 million views on Instagram, so I'm sure somebody some people have seen it. It just makes me laugh every single time I see it. So here we go. Oh God, I don't even know if I've got my camera on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll see you in a bit now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I mean, God. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh, that's great. I just, I love that. I love that he just cannot contain his joy in that moment. It is wonderful. Um, yeah. For anybody who's still watching, thank y'all so much for tuning in to tonight's episode. Go follow LP Georgia on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Go to our website uh, if you need more information, lpgeorgia.com slash join. Um, we do this every Thursday night um, at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain, where I am for the summer. <laughs> um, and uh, we try to release the Free Georgia podcast once a week on Tuesday morning on podcast form and monday night on youtube rumble and odyssey also make sure go subscribe to our our rumble channel because we have strikes on youtube you never know when we're going to get censored on here i've had a feeling night for sure <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling we get throttled um and uh not a lot we get way more views on rumble than we ever do on youtube so if you go to rumble you might have a better chance of of chatting with people uh, who enjoy this kind of stuff. So um, head on over to Rumble. Steve, Nick, Zane, you got anything to say before we uh, close this out? Range Day is coming up. Range LPG Day is coming up. Day. All right. Uh, what is that? Do you know? The, I have no idea. It might be on the website. Um, there's uh, tickets around somewhere. Okay. Uh, that's with Edgar, who's been on uh, the Free Georgia podcast with Jake before. Uh, yeah. He taught. He did last year's Range Day, taught everyone a lot of good stuff. Yeah, Osprey Shooting Solutions. Yeah. So go out there, uh, have a fun time with a bunch of other people. Like last year, we had a whole bunch of people who weren't even associated, like who we'd never seen with the party, seen around before. Come on out. They just said, yeah, let's do this. So uh, they provide a great value with it. Um, There it it. is. Yeah. Uh, The 29th, $50. Um, That's a great price for what's being uh, offered there by Edgar. I recommend you, uh, everyone in Georgia, uh, buy your ticket now and get out while you have a chance. Get out there. Um, Heck yeah. Go learn from the best. Uh, He's one of the best. Matter. So <laughs> yes, it doesn't is. matter how good you think you are. Uh, he's going to tell you where you need to improve. So he will absolutely. He's he's very forthright in that kind of information. <laughs> you mean you can't just yell "break yourself" and then just hang your hand sideways <laughs> in the? No. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, Nick, Zane, Stephen. Y'all got anything for me? For so uh, no, I, I was just going to say, you know, consider joining the Libertarian Party of Georgia. You know, if you're listening and and uh, you know you're kind of on the sidelines, whatever. You know, look, if you got the cost of a Netflix subscription, uh, it goes to use so we can put on things like this, uh, the shooting event coming up, many other things. We have a dedicated core of individuals that, uh, you know, basically work for free. Just we use the money just to do cool stuff. And it is a labor of love for a lot of us. And uh, we need help. We need fuel. So uh, if you can provide that, that would be great. Heck yeah. Completely agree. And if, if you don't happen to be in Georgia and you're watching this show, join your local Libertarian Party, um, your state party, the national party. Um, do some work in your town and your local community. Um, yeah. Zane, you got anything for us? No, I think we've done enough grifting for the night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, tune in every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, and we'll see you next time. Peace.